where would you like to go? everybody and welcome to a new episode of Take Me Too. I am your host Sunny from It Is Sunny over here and today we are joined by the lovely Damiana De Gennaro who is going to take us to Italia, Italia. <laughs> Naples and the Amalfi Coast to be more precise. We cannot possibly go over the whole Italy in one episode. Hi Damiana, thank you for joining me and for helping me take our audience closer to Italy today. It is such a pleasure for me to share this digital space with you, Sunny. Thanks for including me in this interesting project. Of course, and I am very happy to have you with me today. If there is somebody that I know that can transport us into Italy with just words, it is Damiana, ladies and gentlemen. She is an amazing young Italian poetess and a writer who is lucky to call this area her home. We actually met as classmates at uh, L'Orientale University in Naples, And since day one, her intelligence and charisma never ceases to amaze me. Lucky for us, she just came back from Japan after completing one-year exchange program at the Tohoku University in Sendai. Damiana has published two poetry books, Shibuya Crossing and To Wait for the Do. She's a contributor for the Kotodama, an online zine about Japanese culture run by graduate students, and Mose di Sapia, a review that hosts Naples Poets Poems. So, Damiana, tell us about you and Napoli. You were a student in Naples, right? Why did you choose to move and study there? Yes, I really enjoyed Naples as a student. I remember the day we met. It was at one of my favorite classes ever, American literature class. If I remember correctly, the day was, that day was about Harlem Renaissance in New York, and I noticed this beautiful redhead smiling at me. In that moment, I felt very happy and alive. Then we had the first of several coffees back in a narrow and vivid streets of Naples. Yes, I remember as well. The time that I spent at university in Naples is to this day the favorite part of my life so far, and I am so glad I got the opportunity to get to know this city and break all the stereotypes that surround it and enjoy every second of my time here. I mean, honestly, when they say Italians know how to live, they are right. As for me, I was born and raised in Sorrento, a little town by the sea one hour distant from Napoli. As a kid, I had been told a lot of stories about Napoli. The city has its own grotesque mythology. And if I think about it, my head was filled with prejudices. As I started university, by the way, I rediscovered the city through my own eyes and I saw it in a completely different light. I had a very similar experience with me coming to study in Naples as well. I mean, Italy is arguably one of the most popular destinations in Europe. And the city of Naples is the regional capital of Campania and is the third largest city in Italy with a population of about 3 million. Also, the official language is Italian, but the residents speak on their own Neapolitan dialect and the currency is Euro. These are the basic things that one should know before coming to Naples. And is there anything else that I'm missing on and that you'd like to add on, Damiana? I would say that one particular thing about Napoli is its landscape. The city overlooks the sea, Naples Gulf, and it's surmounted by the Vesuvius, the still active volcano right over Pompeii. Yes, that's one thing that not a lot of people really know. It's an interesting fact that the Vesuvius is still active and then it might erupt at any time. But let's leave that <laughs> and hope it's not going to happen and uh, hear what you can tell us about Naples from your own personal perspective. Yeah. Napoli is full of stories. As Florence Welsh would say, the sky is full of song. Crowded with colors and shadows, religious icons and altars are to be found at every corner and plein air. The sacred and the profane here are deeply entangled. Sometimes it's hard to find your way between the ruined palaces, the secret gardens and guards, the thousand churches almost hidden in the dark, narrow alleys. It is hard to remember that outside the alleys there is still the sun, the deep blue sea. As Walter Benjamin writes in his visit in 1925, if Christianity would disappear from the world, some traces of it would always be found in Napoli, rather than Rome. He also says that anywhere in Naples there is place for improvised drama and anything fixed or definitive is accurately avoided. And it's such a pity that not many people consider Naples when planning their Italy trips. In my opinion, Naples is where you get the true taste of Italy. 
thanks to its narrow winding cobblestone streets, colorful buildings, old hundreds of years, the crazy drivers and the loud locals. You also get to see laundry laces in all of the back alleys, the markets that are brim with sweet and smelling local products. I mean, life here is basically lived on the streets. The city has an entirely different vibe than the fashionable Milan or touristy Rome. Naples has centuries of important art and architecture all over the historical center and even further. It's home to a wealth of historical treasures, an incredible and fascinating underground city with a complex system of tunnels, as well as, and maybe the most important for our audience, it's the birthplace of pizza. (laughs) Also, I think it's worth the mention that it's a great starting point for exploring this region because it is very close to a wide range of culturally and historically significant sites, including the Palace of Caserta, the Roman ruins of Pompeii and the Herculaneum, the islands of Capri, Ischia, Procida and Sorrento, as well as the Amalfi Coast, which is the hotspot for all the jet setters and a must-stop for the global influencers, the European elite, the Italian upper class, uh, basically the creme de la creme of the high-end society. But before we get into detail on our itinerary for today, Let's go over some of the basics and the most asked questions that we received. Damiana, tell us the ideal season to visit Naples and this surrounding area. Yes, in my personal perspective, the ideal moment of the year to visit Naples is spring. Uh, Maybe late March or April would be perfect. But if you love summer and the sea, then I think June would be perfect as well. Another question that we received a lot was the travel duration. Like, how long does it take for one to explore this area? Mm, I would say that as travel duration, five to seven days would be nice and enough time to visit whatever you like. And we often get this, but mm, the budget per day question, I think it actually depends. As anywhere, I think it's the same in Naples. I think you can find cheap hostels and nice hotels as well. Um, Yeah, of course. I would say that hostels are from 15 euros to 30 euros. And of course, uh, we should say about uh, prices is that if you are traveling uh, through Naples, the prices will be quite low. If you instead move to Sorrento or Amalfi Coast or the places you mentioned before, of course, that becomes a bit different. That is kind of more luxury destinations for the rich. So, um, of course, if you're moving into the city, then it will be much cheaper. And would you tell us how to reach Naples and how to commute locally while you're there? You will probably arrive at Capodichino Airport from where you can easily reach Piazza Garibaldi by taking the Alibus. Piazza Garibaldi is Napoli's main station. Um, when it comes to public transportation in Naples, it's best to get a tic- mm-hmm. ticket integrato Campania, which works all city metro, bus and funicular services. A single ticket costs €1.60 and is good for 90 minutes. A one-day pass is for euros fifty cents, and a weekly ticket is fifteen euros eighty cents. I think you can also navigate Naples by metro, but if you're staying in the historical center, you can walk virtually anywhere. Expect a lot of walking and wear comfortable shoes as well. Another useful tip is if you're planning a trip here or in the surrounding areas, you can just use the Rome to Rio website, which allows you to see how to get basically from point A to point B and gives you the cheapest way possible. And it gives you all the options for buses, trains, planes, boat routes. Otherwise, a great resource to use when planning your trip. Your train is Italia Rail. Also, there is Circumvesuviana, the train that links Napoli and Sorrento. Uh, which always comes up in the jokes between the locals. And ironically, uh, this trip is described as the journey of hope. It means that the train is always in delay. And of course, (laughs) the travel conditions are very bad. Also here, there are a lot of pickpockets. So be careful. And uh, But what I should say 
to defend the dignity of Circo Vesuviana is that the, the view is really pretty. You get to see the Gulf, Naples Gulf. And if, for example, you're traveling and there's the sunset, it will be completely amazing. The sun setting in the, in the sea and the colors and the clouds, it will be just like a dream. So this Circo Vesuviana is pretty strange and unique experience. It's difficult to describe. I got to experience it on my way back from Pompeii and it was amazing. You just have to see it. And then we mentioned um, once arriving in Naples, you are most probably going to start your Napoli adventure at Piazza Garibaldi from where you can easily access any parts of the city. And as Damiana mentioned before, please be very careful with your belongings around this area, especially on crosswalks or the public transport, because this is where the most pickpocketing cases are reported and where it also happened to me. I mean, my first experience, I think about 20 seconds after arriving in Naples, was getting pickpocketed on the crosswalk after getting down from the alley bus. And imagine that I was, yes, I was so scared. I was like, I read online that this could happen, that you should be prepared and that you should be careful around this area. But I never actually imagined that it would happen to me coming down from that bus the first 20 seconds. And I was even very careful looking around me. Just after starting to cross the streets, I felt somebody's hand in my pocket and somebody was reaching for my wallet or my phone because they saw that I was holding a phone before. So I was thinking, oh my goodness, I never thought it would happen to me. I just grabbed my my wallet and then I looked at the guy and then he looked at me and he just walked away like nothing happened. I was just in awe, like, what did just happen? That is, <laughs> I, 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 that is terrible. And I was so baffled. I was like, I read this. I knew it. <laughs> I did, but I didn't think it would happen. <laughs> so it can happen to anybody. Just be careful around this area. But other than that, I felt pretty safe during my whole stay in Naples. And there is not much that can happen to you. So definitely don't be afraid to just walk around the cobbled and narrow streets and explore even if you're by yourself. Nothing is going to happen to you. Another good tip is to go on a free walking tour. Around Piazza Garibaldi, you can find a lot of agencies like Go Buses that offer free tours or free walking tours. And this is a great way to learn the history behind the places you are seeing and to avoid missing any must stops. Um, from there, you want to take the metro to reach Piazza Cavour. Out of the subway, you can reach out and take Via Duomo until you reach the beautiful Cathedral of Naples for visit the crypt and museum of the treasure of San Gennaro. From outside, the cathedral looks like a beautiful, charming 19th century marble church. The neo-Gothic facade includes some ancient elements that resisted after World War II bombings. As you walk inside, you will be surprised by the mix of styles, columns from ancient Roman temples, medieval pointed arches, baroque theater-like decorations and paintings. The oldest part of the church is the baptistery. It is the most ancient baptistery in the West, dating back to the 4th century. In the center, you will see an ancient Egyptian stone basin, uh, surmounted by a beautiful mosaic that expresses Christian imagery in the old Roman technique. Another interesting aspect of the church lies in the iconic character of San Gennaro, who is the protector of Naples. His remains lie in the Baroque chapel entitled after him. San Gennaro was a martyr, beheaded in the 3rd century after Christ near the Amphitheatro in Pozzuoli by Roman Emperor Diocletiano. Immediately after the beheading of San Gennaro, a woman called Eusebia took his blood in two small glass bottles. The legend tells that these two small bottles are hidden in the back of the altar in the San Gennaro's chapel. They normally contain solid blood. The bottle containing the blood are shown to the Neapolitans only three times a year when San Gennaro's miracle is expected to happen. If the blood gets liquid, the miracle is achieved and it is considered a blessing for the city and its people. Otherwise, if the blood remains solid, it is a sign of misfortune. Fun fact, in December 2020, the blood did not turn liquid. The last time it happened, it was 1973, the year of cholera epidemic in Naples. 
still miss to visit the Museum of San Gennaro's Treasure right next to the church. The total warmth of San Gennaro's Treasure was evaluated as higher than Queen Elizabeth's crown treasure. Wow, that's an amazing story. I never knew this even though I was there and I lived very, very close by this church and visited it at least once a week. And then as you walk out of Duomo's church, you may access Via dei Tribunale. And I personally feel a special connection to this street since this is where I lived, where I studied in Naples. It was a 400 plus years old building in the heart of the historical center and I couldn't have been happier about it. Every day I got to explore this majestic part of the city, which, by the way, is the largest historical center in Europe, and it has been designated as a UNESCO World Heritage Site. There is just so much to see and do here. You could wander around the little streets for days and discover new things every single day. I know, since I did it for months. (laughs) Only on my street there was countless of things to do. I remember one day after university, I counted all of the cafes and shops and churches on the street, and there was just so many. There was like 20 cafes and 10 churches and so many little shops. I couldn't even keep count. I started writing it down on my phone. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. It's amazing. And that's just my part of the street. Yeah. Fun fact, while talking about countless of churches, Naples has a total of 448 historical churches and apparently 1,000 churches in total, making it one of the most Catholic cities in the world in terms of the number of places of worship. And as you mentioned in the beginning, it's an incredibly religious city. Yeah, I think it definitely is. And walking through Via dei Tribunali, uh, you will access one of the most mysterious and hidden places in Naples, Napoli Sotterranea, which means underground Naples. The upper city is mirrored in the web of Naples' hippogeus. Here, artificial caves are excavated in the rocks for different purposes. They were originally aimed to be part of the aqueduct, then used to collect stones for new buildings, and during Second World War, they were used as refuge uh, during bombings. Uh, According to the legend, those tunnels were inhabited by the so-called monacelli, Little spirits were hiding or stealing objects from the houses, using the wells that connected private houses to the underground tunnels. As it is easy to imagine, these tunnels were also used by actual thieves and clandestine lovers in an atmosphere that reminds us of Neil Gibbons' Neverwhere. I remember my first visit at Napoli Soterranea. Actually, the name Soterranea itself means underground, yeah, right? Yeah, it is. And it's not just these specific tunnels and entrance, the Napoli Soterranea. There are so many other ones, catacombs and underground tunnels uh, around the whole of Naples, that it's just as you mentioned before, I remember when I was there, you once told me that Napoli, besides its cheerful and bright side, it has a complete opposite, a dark underground, eerie side of it. And this is precisely this Napoli Soterranea. <laughs> yes. But on the more brighter side, very close to Napoli Soterranea, you will find Pizzeria del Presidente and the Pizzeria Sorbillo. I mean, I think... All the tourists and locals as well, you would agree that you can find the best pizza in Naples on Via del Tribunale. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Here, if you don't mind the waiting lines in front of Sorbillo, you can wait here and then try one of the most famous pizzas. Here, I think presidents from Bill Clinton to, I don't know who, all of the people who mean something or are somebody's have eaten in this pizzeria. And if you don't, you can just grab a pizza to go from Pizzeria del Presidente. Yeah, definitely. I think it's the better idea to grab a pizza and just keep going. Uh, also, my favorite pizza is Sorbillo's pizza. If I had to pick a taste, that will be, of course, pistacchio and mortadella pizza. That is one of my favorites. Mm. Anyway, while walking around this area of Naples, a spot we're visiting is undoubtedly San Severo's Chapel, uh, celebrated for the stunning statue of the veiled Christ. The Veil Christ is a 1753 marble statue by Giuseppe San Martino and is considered one of the world's most remarkable sculptures and legendarily thought to have been created by alchemy. Wow. After dealing with the more clandestine, ancient and horrific part of Naples' womb, 
we may turn to the bright world of Naples kings and queens. Maschio Angioino is the name of the castle that overlooks the sea and the port of Naples. Anjo and Aragon Crown used to dwell in this castle. In the 14th century, Queen Giovanna d'Anjo was famous for having several husbands and lovers. According to the legend, she used to throw her lovers from her bedroom into the trapdoor where a crocodile would devour them in order to hide them from her husband. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, yeah, it's creepy, right? Uh, a stuffed crocodile, in fact, used to be at the entrance of the castle. Recently, also the skeleton of the crocodile was found by archaeologists. Um, while visiting the castle, don't miss the Ark of Triumph by Ferrante d'Aragona, Baron's Room, the Gothic Chapel, and the Dungeons. Oh, now I see. I heard before that in Naples, if you're a young girl or a woman and you're behaving badly, they would call you Giovanna. Is this because of Queen Giovanna yeah. and her behavior? Yeah, definitely. Oh, wow. Walking out of Maschio Angioino's castle, on your left you will see the Royal Palace and San Carlo Theatre. This place takes us directly into the 18th century, one of the brightest of Naples' history. Carlo di Borbone became king at the age of 19. Carlo di Borbone started to build Capodimonte's royal palace. Furthermore, Carlo di Borbone is the ideator of San Carlo Theatre and Caserta's royal palace. You can visit San Carlo Theatre paying a ticket in the morning, but assisting to an opera uh, from one of the red velvet upper seats would be the best way to experience the visit, in my opinion. In front of San Carlo Theatre, don't miss the beautiful Umberto Gallery, Plebiscito Square, and Gambrinus Café, where you can immerse yourself in a liberty-style atmosphere. Also, the poet D'Annunzio used to like and enjoy this refined café. I believe that Umberto's gallery also deserves a visit and a mention into our podcast because it is a completely beautiful piece of architecture. And just outside it, you can see Piazza del Plebiscito. It is a huge area of about 25,000 square meters and it is used for holding major festivals, concerts, celebrations and other social events in modern day Italy right now. Fun fact about it is uh, there is a tradition that says that once you arrive in Piazza del Plebiscito, tourists, but also Neapolitans, try themselves this particular game uh, that is called Cross the Square Blindfolded or something like that. I don't know if you've tried it, Tamiana. Uh, actually, it's the first time for me to hear that. <laughs> uh, please explain what that is, because I'm very curious. Maybe it's a bit just for tourists. <laughs> but the challenge basically consists by letting a person who is blindfolded walk from the Palazzo Reale all the way to the horse statues and walk in between. Basically, they're supposed to walk through the center of the square, but it is a mission which is apparently impossible given the natural slope of the square, which will always make the person walking on it turn slightly to the left or to the right. So you will never actually be able to walk on a straight path and go towards the two statues. This is due to a curse that was launched by Queen Margrethe de Savoia. Am I pronouncing that right? <laughs> yes, you are. Who actually forced her prisoners to cross the square blindfolded to save their lives. She promised them that they would get spared if they cross it all the way to the end and in between the two statues. But naturally, nobody, of course, could do it. So all of them ended up being killed. Oh my god, <laughs> this is very strange and oh my god, I never heard this before. It is very interesting for me to hear this because I never heard this before. And I think it's amazing. I am not sure for the validity of this legend <laughs> or story. But it is the thing, once I arrived in Naples for the first few days, I think I took the free walking tour and they, the tour guides made us do this. And actually, it is really impossible. Like No matter how much you try to walk in a straight line, you end up somewhere <laughs> completely <laughs> on the right or on the left, <laughs> somewhere completely different than what you were aiming mm, for. I see, I see. That, yeah, I think if they explain it to you, then it must be true, I guess. Then Napoli is also the city full of stories, as, as I said. So. And mysteries, I think, as That's well. right. And while we're on the subject on Queen Margrethe, another fun fact or a legend that I've heard while I was there was that 
on June 11th, 1889, to honor the Queen Consort of Italy or Margarita of Savoy, the Neapolitan pizza maker Raffaele Esposito created the Pizza Margarita as we know it today. Uh, so the pizza was garnished with the tomatoes, mozzarella and basil to actually represent the national colors of the Italy flag which was very interesting for me because I never knew this. I've eaten margarita pizza for my whole life <laughs> since I know about pizza, but I never knew that it was actually made to honor a queen and it was made to resemble the colors of Italy. Yeah, I think it is a very nice uh, story. Actually, I heard this story before, but if I think about it, I never associate pizza with the Italian flag. That is an interesting point, I guess. Exactly. And in the royal palace itself is the National Library of Naples, which is probably one of my favorite places in the city. Feel free to enter and be ready to be transported in time through the smells of history, the look of wealth and the feel of culture. And the best part is the entrance is free. After Plebiscito Square, uh, if you turn right, you find yourself in Toledo Street, uh, where all the main brand shops are to be found Uh, if you continue on Toledo Street, you will arrive eventually at Dante Square. And there you can explore the restaurants and the bars along the way and a charming bookstore street uh, just before you reach the square. Uh, that, that area is called Portalba and it's actually one of my favorite places in Naples because there you can find any used book. And I am kind of a bookworm, so that is kind of my favorite place. Um, in Dante Square, you will find not uh, typical bars. You will find uh, a lot of different places, small bars like a hole in the wall where people buy their drinks and uh, they stand outside on the cobble streets. Yes, uh, the bars here are not your typical bars. Like you would not find this. I haven't seen this anywhere in the world. You don't go inside and just sit down to have a drink, but everybody... He's just standing all outside on the streets and having fun and chatting and drinking. This was very unique and unusual for me when I first saw it when I went there. People are just walking around on the street with their drinks in their hands, <laughs> going from a bar to bar and just having fun. I think it's an amazing area as well. Yeah, it definitely is. And actually on Dante Square itself, you can see a monument of Dante Alighieri. And there is this amazing building right behind it. I never found out what it actually is. The architecture style is beautiful. So can you tell us what it is, if you do know? Yeah, actually, it is a high school. And it's called Convicto. And uh, what is nice noticing is that there are a lot of statues on the top of the building. It is a beautiful building. And you'll pass it by anyway because it's on your way to the Naples National Archaeological Museum, which is a converted 17th century palace and museum, and it is home to prehistoric artifacts, coins, and ancient works of art. Basically, the archaeological museum houses Naples' most significant collection of Romans' remains, and it displays much of what is uncovered during the digs at Pompeii and Herculaneum. Also, I think a lot of people go not just because of all the treasures and the artifacts and the statues, but there is this hidden tucked away room inside that it's actually the real draw for people here, which holds all or most of the erotic art that was uncovered and brought here from Pompeii. Oh, oh yeah, I went there and I actually was very surprised to find this erotic art. Uh, I didn't expect it and I was just expecting, you know, very clean and marble statues and stuff like that. And I was uh, very, you know, fascinated by these erotic things. And also the mosaics were beautiful and I really, really enjoyed it. And I'm happy that you talked, uh, were talking about it. So. Yes, it definitely deserves a visit, so make sure you check that out. And, and then on your way down via Toledo, which is basically the shopping street uh, of Naples, it has lots of galleries, lots of department stores, you're going to come up to the Spanish Quarter, which is a very interesting area of the town. It is worth exploring, but a little bit sketchy at a time, so avoid maybe, so maybe avoid that area after dark or if you're alone. Uh, is it true? I'm not sure. That's what I've been told. 
Uh, yeah, actually, the Spanish quarters are very interesting. There is also a novel that I really enjoy. Uh, that is My Brilliant Friend from Elena Ferrante. Uh, and it's actually, it takes place in the Spanish quarters. And it's about two uh, young girls that are friends. And it's very interesting. It was also published in English. So uh, I really suggest to, to check it out. And also in uh, Spanish quarters, you will find a lot of very good restaurants that, of course, are not very known by tourists because they are pretty hidden. Uh, and the locals always uh, make stuff here to have lunch or dinner. So it's a perfect place to escape the touristy crowd. Yeah. That's a very good tip, actually, because Naples, uh, all year round, I think, is flooded with tourists. Mm. I pretended that I didn't like the tourists because it was so crowded. It was uh, on my way to university. I would have to pass these little streets like Scapanapoli and then Via dei Tribunali, which were full of tourists all the time. But every day I felt excited while walking on the streets. And every day I remember still bringing my camera and <laughs> taking photos and enjoying and being a tourist myself. But once in a while, I think it's well to just escape the crowds and go off the well-beaten path and then get uh, advice like this from a local for where to go and drink and eat. Yeah, of course. Even me, that, you know, I'm a local and I have been there attending university for years. I always take a picture of Tribunalis Street or those uh, squares that are, you know, so touristy, but still uh, they are so inspiring. So I always bring my camera with me as well in those places. You have to. I mean, it's a waste not to do it. Mm. And then still down Toledo Street, uh, if you go back towards the Piazza Plebiscito, you will end up at the Piazza Trieste e Trento. It is the heart of the city and one of the most famous landmarks are here surrounding it. Some of them we already mentioned, some of them we didn't. So I think we should mention the Bourbon Tunnel, which is actually an old tunnel connecting the palace to military barracks, which were used as a bomb shelter in the World War II. I actually got a chance to visit this shelter and it's a very eerie experience. I would recommend it just so that you would get a, a wake-up call on how times were at that period and how difficult it was for people and how dangerous and scary wars are and what we're not supposed to repeat. We should learn from our history, right? You could see clothes and toys from little children. You could see books and daily objects that people have left behind while they were hiding in, in these tunnels. And then you can see a whole line of cars, which was very surprising for me that because I didn't know that these tunnels and this underground area was so big it's a whole city under the city with streets that cars were driving on. <laughs> Imagine that. So you can see actual old-timer cars there. It was pretty amazing uh, sight to witness. And if you go out again on the Piazza Plebiscito and then continue towards the port, you will be able to soon see the Castel del Ovo, which was by far my most favorite landmark and attraction and place to hang out in Naples. It is an amazing castle, uh, which is a bit off in the water. It's kind of like an island. And I think del ovo means an egg, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, it means egg. Maybe, I'm not sure. Maybe it's because it's in, in a shape of an egg. But maybe you can see that only from above because it doesn't look like an egg when you're on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless of that, it is connected to the land by a stone bridge and all around this promenade that leads to the castle, there are rocks. So people just go out on evening walks here. They would just grab uh, Aperol Spritz or a Peroni, which is the most famous beer in Naples. And they would just end up choosing one of the rocks and watching the sunset here, which was one of the most peaceful and my favorite activity to do while I was in Naples. Oh, I see. I think, uh, yeah, the places that you mentioned are uh, generally the, um, the places where people chill out and have fun. And right outside it, if you continue 
on this promenade is uh, you would end up in the most affluent waterfront district of Kiaya with its cool boutiques and designer shops and there's a lot of seafood restaurants and elegant bars here as well as a lot of luxury hotels. So if you're into nice restaurants or luxury hotels, this is the area you would want to go. I think also locals like to grab ice cream and just walk around this area before heading to the Villa Comunale Park, which was actually one of my favorite parks in the city. There is also a little small beach, and this was something which was uncommon, because typically in big cities you don't see, even if they are by the seaside, you don't see people swimming uh, in the sea or in the ocean, or at least I haven't seen up until now. But here in Naples, every time I walk this promenade, I would just see people, especially the older generation, sunbathing and then swimming in the ocean and just relaxing and taking their time. So I think that was wonderful. Like even if you're in this crazy, busy and then concrete jungle city, you still get these peaceful, nice, small beaches and parts when you can relax and enjoy your time here. Yeah, definitely. That's very interesting. I never noticed what you said because, of course, as a student, I would never go, you know, in the area of Villa Comunale or Via Chiaia. I would always move around Via dei Tribunali and the historical center. So I think that what you said is very interesting and a, a nice perspective on the city. Yeah, and if you go back the same route, towards the main square or Piazza de Plebiscito and then towards Castel Nuevo, uh, you will witness one of the most famous uh, Naples landmark, which you can see on maybe all of the postcards. It is a medieval fortress with five towers and it has a Renaissance triumphal arc. Inside, you can also visit a civic art museum and a chapel and there are glass floors where you can actually see uncovered skeletons which were buried in the floor of the castle, uh, which was an interesting thing for me to, to see. Uh, also, there is Fountain of Neptune and the Square. This landmark fountain was built in, uh, in 1600, featuring ornate carvings of Neptune, sea monsters, nymphs and lions, surrounded by incredible buildings. Actually, this area has a completely different feel than the historical city area and the little streets that we mentioned before, because this area feels a lot more luxurious, maybe because it was close by the royal palace and the actual center of the city before, but also I believe that this is the financial district right now, and most of the banks are located here, uh, so it gives off an extra luxury feeling, I think. The architecture style is a bit different as well. And then if you continue up Via Medina and the Monte Oliveto towards Piazza del Gesù Nuevo, you will end up on Spaca Napoli, which I think we mentioned a few times so far. And this is the most famous street in Napoli. And fun fact, Spaca Napoli, uh, you can see on many photos, and it's very significant because it actually divides the historical center into two parts. And you can see it from above, from sky level. Or if you, there is some drone photography or plane, you can see how it divides all of the streets into two parts. Yeah, it's crazy. A very nice view of Naples is, uh, I think, San Martino's Terrace. And from that perspective, you can see the uh, Spaccanapoli line that you mentioned before. Yes, you can actually see it on many photos. It goes as a straight line and it makes a division between what looks like a chaos of buildings and narrow street in the historical center. And right here on Piazza del Gesù Nuovo is the Chiesa del Gesù Nuovo, which is my favorite church in Naples because of its lavish interior. Chiesa del Gesù Nuovo is a very particular view in Naples because it has a facade that is almost brutalist looking. It has no decoration. It's completely like a wall of stones. But inside... Uh, there is this contrast because the inside is quite baroque 
and it's full of decorations and colors. And as we said before about Duomo, it's a complete mixture of styles. So it is very striking, this contrast between the outside and the inside. Yes, it is completely mm. unexpected from when before you enter mm. and once you enter inside, you see this completely luxurious interior everything is golden and sparkly and i think i probably liked this church better than the duomo actually but what i liked the most from the churches and the monasteries in naples was the uh santa chiara which is right across from it right yes i really love um santa chiara's church but even more i enjoy il chiostro di santa chiara uh, which is this very particular landmark in Naples, uh, dating back to the 1200s. This uh, Gothic-style religious complex features a church, a monastery, and a museum. Uh, the vast complex walkways are lined with blossoming orange trees and covered in bright maiolica tiles depicting typical 18th century Neapolitan scenes. And I think that is one of the most amazing spots in Naples. So. If you come to Naples, just check it out. It's beautiful. It's like you're in safe heaven from all of the craziness that's happening <laughs> outside of you. Once right. you enter this chiostro, it's a beautiful garden. You can just walk around. And I would recommend people to come here early during the day because once the tourists catch on it, uh, it becomes a bit crowded as well. And it's not that big of a garden. So if you come here in the morning, then you would get the whole place to yourself. And it's a completely magical experience. And after you're done with your visit of the Chiostro, you can just uh, go outside and take your time exploring and navigating this little street of Spacanapoli. Because this is actually where the soul of Naples is. All of the shops, the cafes, the souvenir stores. You can really take your time to enjoy and experience Naples here. Yeah, I agree totally. And also, this is the area where I have a lot of incredible uh, memories of my student's life. For example, I will never forget the poetry reading nights with Mosse di Seppia group of Neapolitan poets. I remember one special night in San Domenico Square that is very close to Spacanapoli in a hidden theater called Il Pozzo e il Pendolo. There we were drinking a lot of wine and eating homemade pasta in fagioli, uh, which is pasta with beans, very typical of Naples. While listening to local songwriters singing their song, we would get on the stage and read our poems in the atmosphere of warmth and intimacy with our actual friends, but also with strangers. Yeah, that is one of the memories that I treasure the most. That sounds amazing, Damiana. And I think Naples is full of little surprises like this, full of hidden places and artistic events that you can stumble upon even if you're just walking on a day tour. And as you go towards the end of Spacanapoli, you would come by Via San Gregorio Armeno, which is the city's most famous alleyway. It is famous for its nativity scene figurines, which are sold by thousands and many, many other souvenirs. Here, you can stock up on your souvenirs for your family and friends and just explore a whole new culture and tradition that Naples artisans have. You can find a lot of artworks, a lot of sculptures, and basically a lot of souvenirs that you can buy and bring home. Yes, actually, that is one of the most colorful alleys of Naples. Also, what is worth mentioning here, I think, is the music in the air. Because in this street in particular, there is always something going on. And uh, the people are singing and laughing and talking to each other. So I think maybe the most Neapolitan-like atmosphere is to be found in the street. Yes, it's the perfect area to experience Naples, actually. And while talking about areas, uh, we had this question about where should one stay when visiting Naples? Which area would you recommend? 
In my opinion, Bellini Square is one of the best places to spend your stay in Naples because it's full of art and uh, you can perceive the atmosphere of the um, faculty of fine arts that is there. And also there is the music conservatory right the other side. So in this square, there are a lot of students. Some of them are musicians, some of them are artists. So you find this kind of atmosphere of a lot of arts joining together. It's a true Italian experience. Yeah, I think so. It's very authentic. Other than that, there is so many other things to do in Naples. There are actually seven castles. We didn't mention the Castle Sant'Elmo, which offers full panoramic views of Naples, and it's definitely worth the visit, especially because the, the ticket price is only 2.50 euros. And another thing that's worth mentioning is the Linea 1 Metro, especially the Toledo station, right? I vividly remember this one. Oh, yes. I really like Toledo station. I think it's one of the most beautiful metro stations in the world. Uh, Of course, there will be other beautiful metro stations, but this one is peculiar because it looks like a swimming pool. And uh, it's like when you enter the metro, you are surrounded by brown color. And then as you go down with escalators, you uh, find yourself uh, in the blue. It's basically designed to make you feel like you're traveling through the ground and into the sea, right? Yeah, I would recommend anyone that uh, happens to go to Toledo just to save some time to visit this metro station because it's very beautiful. It's a very Instagrammable spot, let's just say. (laughs) Another thing worth mentioning is the Madre Museum, and I believe it's one of your favorites, right? Yeah, Uh, Museo d'Arte Contemporanea Donna Regina is actually one of my favorite places in in Napoli. And it is a world-class museum of modern art that's named after the 14th century Gothic church uh, within its walls. Also, don't forget to visit botanical gardens of Naples, which are so beautiful. I personally recommend it. Going back to the darker side of the city, I don't believe we mentioned the Cimitero delle Fontanelle, which is also close by here. It is actually underground cemetery that contains the remains of about 14,000 people. And many of them were victims of the World War II and a plague that wiped out 250,000 residents of the city around that time. It is actually free to enter and there is a donation box. This was also another experience which was uh, very interesting for me. Although very grotesque and dark, it is also a reminder of the history and the things that uh, we shouldn't allow to be repeated. It's a very unique experience. And Mm. as you enter, you would feel like it smells and looks like death. Okay. (laughs) It's definitely a little bit scary experience. And I went alone. (laughs) oh my god (laughs) it's not very scary but at the same time is eerie and it's grotesque Mm. but definitely worth the visit and that concludes our detailed must-see naples itinerary but before we move on to the rest let's just go over the food and the drink section neapolitan cuisine is noted for its association with pizza of course which originated in the city but it is famous for many other numerous local dishes. Uh, Naples' restaurants, for example, have earned the most stars from the Michelin Guide of any Italian city. So which foods would you recommend that one must try in this southern Napoli area? Yeah, of course, one of the first things that comes to your mind is, of course, pizza. And you can be sure that you're having the best pizza possible because Napoli actually ensures its pizza vendors and restaurants uh, to maintain certain standards when it comes to making their signature pizzas. I heard that they actually make them measure the middle of the dough, like how thick it is. And there is a specific thickness that it should have. And there is a specific type of mozzarella that everybody is supposed to use, as well as a specific kind of tomatoes that they are supposed to use, yeah. which is very interesting for me. Yeah, it is. And I think here a worth of mention is L'Antica Pizzeria de Michele. Yeah. A lot of people might recognize this name from the movie Eat, Pray, Love. 
and it is known as the oldest pizzeria in Italy. But a lot of restaurants claim this title, <laughs> so I am not sure if this is true. But it is well known as the oldest pizzeria in Napoli. And a lot of people say that this is where they tried the best pizza in Naples. So definitely check L'Antica Pizzeria da Michele. And I've heard about this phrase in Naples very often. Pizza a portafolio. Please explain this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so why is it called pizza portafolio? Because the pizza is folded in a very particular way. They mix it very compact and easy to eat with hands, and it's like a wallet. Uh, the Italian word portafoglio actually means wallet, and it's actually very cheap. It costs between one euro and two euros. So if you're in a rush and you just want to grab some food, just go for pizza portafoglio because it will be the best choice. And a safe choice, I think. <laughs> Is there another dish that people should try while in Naples that is specifically famous in this region? Yeah, for example, alla Genovese is a typically Napolitan dish. And Genovese is a pasta sauce made uh, from onions and meat. And it, it actually takes a lot of time to make. And here, Napolitans love it. Also, you, should, you shouldn't miss the drink Apero Sprit because it's one of the classics. There are so many bars and spots where you can get a very nice Apero Spritz. Another famous drink, I think, that you cannot miss while in Naples. I don't know if you could consider it a drink. It's just coffee. <laughs> There's a whole culture that surrounds coffee in Naples. Like People drink it, I think, maybe even up to like five, six to eight times a day. I had a roommate who drank coffee eight times a day which i thought was crazy <laughs> but yeah, the thing is, is the crazy. way yeah the thing is uh, the difference is the way people drink coffee in naples and other places like for example where i'm from people would go out for coffee with their friends and they would just sit and chill and just chat for hours and drink their coffee slowly but the way people go for coffee here is just that they have these bars They would go up to the bar, mm. order their coffee, and there's always crowds in front of the bar. So you just come to the bar, mm. order your coffee, and get the coffee and a little glass of water, take the coffee as a shot, drink the water as a shot, and just go about <laughs> with your day, which was very interesting for me because it's nothing like what I'm used to. Mm. Also, I don't know if you know the tradition of Café Sospeso, uh, which is very peculiar in Naples. And it is actually some people paying not for just one coffee, but two coffees. And the second coffee goes to uh, some random people who has not enough money to buy it. So if there is a Café Sospeso uh, that was bought by somebody who had the money this uh you know stranger with no money could actually enjoy coffee for free because it was paid by the the, the kind stranger before that is very nice mm. yeah i never heard of that but that is very nice if i knew i would have bought a what did you call it again <laughs> coffee uh cafe sospeso which means suspended coffee kind of very nice yeah <laughs> Another tip I would give to our audience is if you're looking into getting some drinks at a bar, you would also be well off buying wine instead of going to a bar and ordering a glass. Because you can buy a great bottle of wine for four euros or less, and it is a lot cheaper than drinking at a bar and buying it by glass. And also, Italy has a lot of great cheap wines. And maybe this would not be considered as wine, but my favorite would be Fragolino. Italy has a lot of flavored <laughs> wines as well. And I remember every time before going out with uh, the classmates, we would just go into one of these shops in the middle of uh, Via dei Tribunali or Spacanapoli and buy a bottle of wine and go towards these main squares or the areas where people would gather. And since everybody's drinking on the streets anyway, you would not be away from the crowd. You would just sit down and then drink with your friends and have a nice time. Yeah. Definitely, that I think is one of the best things of the student's life. <laughs> just get drunk together on the steps, just wondering about the city. And another thing I think a lot of people don't know is that the tap water is drinkable. It is fine to drink, so you are fine to just refill your water bottles every time you're going out for exploring. Or if you go to a restaurant, just ask for tap water. 
because you will be charged for bottled one. Uh, other than that, is there something that no one tells you about Naples as a tourist, like when you come that only the locals know? I remember I was so confused by these little red souvenirs that are everywhere around Naples. I heard they're nails, I heard they are horns, I heard many stories about them, but I never actually understood what it is. And Naples is covered with them. So yeah, I think you're referring to the history of Corno. It's very old tradition, back to the Neolithic period, I guess. Um, this amulet was used as an auspice of bringing fortune and fertility. Also, the color red uh, had double meaning. It in fact symbolized uh, the victory upon enemies during the battles. And also, it was a symbol of good luck. Oh, so I did good because I bought this horn <laughs> as a souvenir for all of my friends. So yeah. I basically gave it to them as good luck. It's a safe souvenir. Yeah, definitely. Good idea. Another uh, thing that was interesting to me that I didn't hear before I went to Naples is this legend of this character called Vefana. So unlike others which have the Santa Claus as a Christmas character, in Naples uh, children get candy on 6th of January from this grandma called Befana. Apparently, Befana met the three kings just some days before baby Jesus was born. And because it was late and dark, they couldn't find the guiding star anymore. And they asked Befana for directions of where the son of God was. And she didn't know, and instead she offered them to take a rest for the night at her house. And the next morning, the three kings uh, left to search for the baby Jesus, and after a few days, they actually found him. And this news spread quickly around the globe, and it reached the ears of Befana as well. And she baked some sweets and went on a search for this baby, but she couldn't find him anymore. And until this day, they say that Befana is still in search and once a year she visits all the children just in case she'd find baby Jesus. And to every child, she leaves a sock full of sweets. But for the children who were bad, she mixes in some coal in their sweets. <laughs> Which sounds familiar to the Santa Claus. <laughs> so yes. maybe that one was derived out of this. I am not sure, but it was very familiar. Mm, yes, I think it's a very interesting story. And Did they tell this when you were a child? Uh, actually, sometimes we just received the candies. <laughs> Didn't know, uh, you know, all the details of the story. <laughs> just, you know, the name Befana came out. And of course, we knew that it was coming after Christmas, but... So you just knew 6th of January you would receive sweets. Yeah, yeah. that was the important part. <laughs> Doesn't matter why. Other than that, I personally didn't know Italian before I went to Italy. So language was definitely a barrier for me. And I think uh, we should tell our audience the basic vocabulary or some useful words that one should know when going to Italy. For example, how do you say hello in Italian? Ciao. Ciao. Or I remember buongiorno, right? Oh, yeah. Buongiorno as well. Or buonasera if it's night. Buongiorno is mm -hmm. like uh, in the morning and buonasera in the night. And then goodbye. Arrivederci. Mm, yes and no. Uh, si and no. That one is pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's easy. And how would you say how much is this, for example, if you're in a shop? Uh, I would say quanto costa questo? Quanto costa questo? I remember that was my line. <laughs> the first thing that I that I learned when I came to Naples. <laughs> and then, thank you is grazie, right? Right. Oh, there is another interesting word that I always heard from Neapolitan people. It is allora. Oh, and yeah. then this is my favorite Italian word. I don't even know how to use it. But every time, everybody would start a sentence with allora. <laughs> Mm, yes, allora is very common. It's when people don't know what to say, they will say allora. Oh, yeah. Another interesting thing connected with language, and maybe not really, but close by, it's um, gestures. Mm -hmm. I noticed that Italians use a lot of gestures when they talk and they use their hands a lot. And there was this one thing yeah. that they would do. It's the three fingers, the thumb, the index finger, and the middle finger connected together. And they would always do this. Like, <laughs> 
that is so funny. <laughs> what does this mean? And what's the appropriate usage of this hand gesture that Italian people tend to use at all times? Yeah, the, the gesture means, mm, what the hell? Uh, like, what the hell are you saying? And you're doing this gesture, right? What the hell? Or, oh my God, it's like expressing surprise. And also, when you're preaching somebody, like, For example, you did something wrong and your father or your mother are like preaching. They would maybe use this to say, oh my God, where, where, where did you go? What did you do? <laughs> yeah, I think that is the usage. Italy's culture is so interesting. Like there, there are so many things that uh, happen in Italy and uh, it's like every day for Italian people, but you would not notice anywhere else. For example, uh, the first thing that I noticed when I went to Italy was that people would get their groceries through a little bucket that they would throw off their balconies <laughs> yeah. and somebody would just come by and put their groceries inside and they would just pull it on <laughs> with a rope. That was just so interesting. Yeah. Like, it's so uncommon to see that. Mm. and the lines with the clothes and everything i think that's exactly like you would not see this in rome or mm. in milan uh in the main uh, attractive mm -hmm. touristy areas but this is in the historical center and in the touristy area of naples so this is actually the true yeah. look and taste of italy that's why i I am preaching for people to go there and experience how Italian people actually live and function. And is there something that we should never say or do in Italy or Naples, more specifically? Yeah, for example, you should never blame Napoli's football team because, you know, here it's like a religious icon. Um, like, personally, I'm not into football, so I don't care. And maybe, you know, a lot of people just don't care. But there are some Napolitans that are so obsessed with football teams. So, for example, if there's, um, you know, a football match going on and Naples team is taking part to it, like, if they win, uh, you will see fireworks and people doing a lot of drama and be so happy because, you know, the football team won. Also, there will be a lot of traffic, you know, in the streets. There will be so much traffic. Also, another thing is that while the match is going on, There would be no cars, like silence, nobody out in the street because everyone is watching the television or, you know, to the stadium. But whenever, you know, this match ends, then it becomes like chaotic and everyone runs here and there and, for example, orders pizza because Napoli won. And so everyone should celebrate. <laughs> That's so interesting. I noticed they have a very, like a cult around football and Napoli's uh, yeah. team. I s even saw uh, Maradona's face drawn on so many buildings, yeah. uh, like right. uh, kind of treated like a saint, right? Yeah, that's completely right. It's like a religious icon, as I said. <laughs> It's completely crazy. They love Maradona. Also, if I'm not If I remember correctly, there is somewhere an altar because uh, somebody got Maradona's hair and they are, you know, worshipping the hair. <laughs> and that makes you understand to which, which extent they, you know, consider Maradona as a god. It's a very strange thing for somebody who doesn't care about sports or football. Yeah. <laughs> But I guess we should not say that because we don't want to upset any Napolitans out there. <laughs> Yeah, right. I believe uh, that's about it for our itinerary for today. We have a few questions from the audience that we left unanswered and that were not really connected with our itinerary, which is why I left them for the last part of our episode. Maybe the first question that pops up on Google as well when you type in Naples and a lot of the ones that we receive is, is Naples, Italy dangerous? Mm, of course, you should always be cautious. Pickpockets tend to target distracted tourists, so it would be a good idea to avoid showing your brand new mobile phone around. Apart from that, anyway, Napoli is actually chill. It's not like you would be attacked by anybody or get into a fight or something like this. But yeah, you should be careful for your possessions. Yes, there is a lot of talk online about the mafia and crime levels here that tends to discourage people from visiting, unfortunately. 
I lived there and walked around alone every day and night and nothing happened to me. So you just have to be a bit precautious as with any other big touristy European city. Uh, Naples is safe enough and you don't have to worry about, as you said, being mugged or being attacked. Then the Neapolitans are actually very friendly and very welcoming. So this city definitely deserves uh, a spot on your Italian itinerary tour. And that's it for part one of our Southern Italian adventure, everybody. I hope we managed to awaken your imagination and, in a way, take you to Naples today. Check out our next episode, Southern Italy Part 2, where we'll take you to a few Italian islands and the famous Amalfi Coast. Thank you, Damiana, for your amazing and picturesque stories. I hope some of these places and sites that she described so vividly came to life in your minds as they did to mine. For a moment there, I felt like I was back in Naples and chatting with a dear classmate while enjoying a glass of wine by Naples seaside. If you want to connect with Damiana, you can find her on Instagram at Innerston. Check out her poetry books Shibuya Crossing and To Wait for the Dew, as well as her other project Kotodama that was just recently published. If you enjoyed this episode, please check out another one and let us take you somewhere else. I'd love to connect with you on Instagram at it is sunny over here and at Take Me To Podcast or any other social media platform where you can leave your questions and proposals for our next destination. Let me know where do you want to go. Follow our social media where we'll keep you updated and included in the podcast creating process or visit www.takemetopodcast.com for more information. New episodes dropping on Tuesdays, so come back and let us take you somewhere else. As for today's quote, I have something that really resonates with me when it comes to Naples, and it goes, Wherever you go, somehow becomes a part of you. Thank you for listening. This is your host Sunny, and join me again on our next episode, on a new journey to a new destination. 